Yeah, the road to a mess. Um, the Four Corners Committee met a couple of weeks ago and uh, we were trying to respond to this year's festival and um, Jim Deeds, who I suppose is unofficially a, a bit of a spiritual director for us as, as, a, as a committee, uh, took us on this journey uh, to a mess and back, actually, if we're careful enough for the text. And um, as I wrestled all weekend from Thursday through to today with things changing as you watch the news or whatever else, I thought there might be a few things that we could pick up here. So I'm using it as the spine of sharing something that is a half sermon and half an informative way to work out how to Fitzroy uh, to move into these next weeks and months. The first thing about the road to a mess is what I said earlier. The story had got ripped up. These guys were pretty sure they had the story. They were pretty sure how it was going to be. Jesus was the Messiah. He was going to do this, 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 and this. And the last thing they thought that was going to happen was Good Friday and Jesus on a cross and laid in a tomb. The disorientation for these two travelers as they talked about their world collapsing around them is very clear. Complete disorientation. All that they knew or felt was becoming familiar taken from them. Very quickly, everything became unrecognizable. And so they're talking about it. Isn't it amazing that for a week I haven't heard anybody mention the weather? Because we're talking about it in every conversation. What are we going to do? Who do you know that's vulnerable? Will there be church on Sunday? What about the youth club? What are we going to do about that? Are we going to cancel that? Are we going to do this? Are we... Everybody is consumed by this very fast, unrecognizable world that we've been thrown into. I mentioned earlier the footballers, too familiar. You can ban them shaking hands at the start. But they were all shaking hands at the end because the familiar is torn up and it takes time for us. And it takes a conscious decision to not go with what we find familiar. This morning, you know, do we hit elbows or is it the Wuhan toe shake? Or what is it that stops us from doing that handshake or whatever else? Opening doors or picking things up or setting things down. Suddenly, everything that was familiar and safe has been ripped apart and we have to reorientate in a time of disorientation. Diaries are getting checked. I just wandered it through to one o'clock today. I'm not sure about what's happening tomorrow, but we're still looking at diaries. Or the letting go of the duty of coming to church, what a much safer thing might be when we're caught between do not stop meeting together and loving your neighbor. All that's been familiar. And I reckon I'm right in thinking that the last time that we as a world were in such a situation as this was a world war. And I'm imagining that those of you who did live through the, the second, I was going to say the first world war, there's not many of you left. Um, uh, those who did live through the second world war, that you were pretty tiny when you lived through it. So your experience for us is probably not a lot because you weren't analyzing it as you went in your very early years. So 
we have nobody to take us through this. There's no guidance. We haven't been here before. And that comes with a lot of disorientation. And disorientation, as with these guys on the way to Emmaus, would come with the uncertainty, anxiety, and fear. And that's what we're seemingly living with. And that's where I started. And so I should have as your pastor. I started with the negativity. I started with all the minuses. My initial floundering was all negative. It was who were vulnerable, where were we vulnerable as a congregation on a Sunday morning, what should we stop doing, what should we cancel, what instructions did we need to put up, and how would we meet the pastoral needs of those who would find themselves isolated. It was all kind of doomsday scenario. It was all taking a step back, as it should be, because as in the road to MS, Jesus even allows them for a period of time to be disorientated. But when they get to where they end up in this house, something else happens. In the disorientation, they find themselves in the presence of Jesus, and that reorientates them, realigns them. Now, for a number of years, I've been talking about this, how worship on a Sunday morning is coming together. If it's nothing else, if the sermon's awful or the children's dress is terrible or somebody does bad prayers and we do too short a reading to get anything scriptural out, if we're in a place of worship in the songs that we sing, then we're realigning. We're coming and saying we are human beings. This is the sovereign God. And this is our place realigned in his order of things when you're disorientated there's nothing better to do than to get yourself into that realignment and that may be at times to read the psalms or sing a worship song or whatever it takes for us to be in God's presence and reassess where we are Jesus stands among them and reorientates them and realigns them. Who are we? Who is, good? Who is God? And where are we in this order of things? Now humanity in general is floundering. The independence we've had from God, the secularization around us, this sense of self-sufficiency that we have, that science can answer it all, and that we actually don't really need God anymore. We don't need any idea of sovereign. We don't need any idea of other presence. We don't need to realign because we're in charge. We're on the throne. Suddenly that story's been ripped up too. And maybe, maybe it's time for our world to realign and reorientate. But we as the church, as we realign in this presence of God, need to find out what we believe again. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. You see, the texts of Scripture become a little bit more real when we're not sure whether we should go out or whether we should go to school or whether we should sit that close or what we should do next. As everything around us is falling away, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. He says, be still 
and know that I am God and I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Realign. Realign. In our anxiety, in our uncertainty, and in our fear, let's realign. So all my negativity in the early thinking about this during the week was shifted. It got a flick switch when I read a poem on Facebook that a friend of mine had put up. It's called Pandemic. And it reorientates us. Listen to this. Think about this in the moment that we're in. Pandemic. What have you thought of it as the Jews considered the Sabbath? The most sacred of times. Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray. Touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move visibly or move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we shall live. So these guys are anxious, uncertain, disorientated, and fearful. They realign in the presence of Jesus. They get all of their perspective back. They realize it's not as dark out there as they thought it was. And actually, there's a morning coming, as we've just sung. So what do they do immediately Jesus disappears? They're off and running. They don't sit there and talk about it for the next wee while. They're off and running back to Jerusalem. They're ready, front, foot, forward. This is an opportunity that they reassess and get into mission mode. And so with us. Yes, we've got to work out what we stop. Yes, we've got to work out what we cancel. Yes, we've got to work out how to shake hands without coughing into elbows and then knocking elbows. So find that a bit strange. The toes might be better, actually. But what we've got to, when we realign, is to see this. That our call to love your neighbour is not the sentimental, apathetic, passive thing that it might have been up until now. It's actually a revolutionary, sacrificial action that we need to be involved in more than we ever have before. So I got a, an email from somebody that Janice and I met in November in Ohio, who's an American student studying in Galway, who was starting to panic that she might not get back to the States, but she might not have anywhere to live in Galway once her rent runs out. Could she come and live with us? Normally you would think about that. But in a time of disorientation, in a time when the script is ripped up, you're saying, 
love your neighbor. There's somebody who's really fearful, anxious, and worried, and needs the realignment of some love through a conduit of the believers of Christ in order to find her own reorientation. Different things are going to happen over the course of the next few weeks. Family are going to need your help. Family are going to need us to gather around. Friends are going to need us to gather around. And strangers are going to need us to gather around. Love your neighbor is going to become the act of the day. Oh, on TV they call it altruism. I prefer actually Jesus love your neighbor. I think it's actually getting a little bit more potency. And it comes with the Holy Spirit as well, which has got to be a help in a situation like ours. It will be a costly vocation and discipleship at times. It will certainly be self-sacrificial. And so we don't put ourselves in places that we would be all right in. But that we might take viruses back to where we go. We think. We're sensible. We think others before we think self. And then we go to serve. I blogged a, an idea of this called grace and imagination. The person who, who Facebooked the pandemic poem uh, is um, Karen Berkwist from Over the Rhine who has sung here in Fitzroy and we have the 6th of November set aside hopefully that they might be back singing Fitzroy again this year but Karen brought a, a record out with Over the Rhine last year called Love and Revelation it's, this, it's the how their friend Joe Henry who's also a songwriter signs his letters and apparently Joe writes a lot of letters uh, you might not know Joe, but you'll know his sister-in-law. She's called Madonna or something. And, um, and he signs his letters, uh, Love and Revelation. And uh, I used to sign mine, Grace. And I thought, Grace and Imagination, that's very Stockman-esque. Although it's a bit, it is a bit contrived and a wee bit uh, self-indulgent to follow the Joe Henry way. But there are two phrases that have come to my mind in my life on recent days. Grace and Imagination. Now, if we listen to the pandemic poem carefully enough, we see this need for imagination. Do not reach out your hands. That's the first thing we normally do. Somebody needs comfort, give them a hug or shake their hand. But the script's ripped up. That's the old way to live. It's not the next few months. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. That's going to take imagination. How are we going to do these things? And it seems to me that when the guys in the Emmaus Road run back to Jerusalem at the end of Luke chapter 24, that actually what they do, forgive me in this, but I like the idea of it, that they run through chapter 24 into Acts chapter 1. Same writer following up the story. And all these guys who are realigned at the time of resurrection are those who set out in this journey of mission in the, 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 the Acts of the Apostles. And boy, did the guys in the Acts of the Apostles need imagination. They were going to speak to eunuchs in the middle of nowhere. They were going to speak to Gentiles in the middle of unclean food. They were going to speak to people in chains in prison. They were going to go before the Areopagus in Athens. They were going to be before Roman judges. They were going to set up teams for to look after the orphans and the widows in the midst of all this stuff that nobody had given them a blueprint for. They needed imagination. And we need the imagination of the Holy Spirit like no other time in our discipleship 
pastoral care, or mission. And yet, some of the stuff we're looking for, we've been thinking about. Norman mentioned it in his prayer. Being with. (coughs) Excuse me, that's not a new cough. It's been with me for five months. Relax. (laughs) And it's not dry either. But there's enough medics in the house who've already diagnosed it to tell me afterwards how I'm going to uh, go forward with that. Being with. When we looked at our Being With series in the autumn time, we actually said because Sam Wells has said it, that the greatest illness of our time, the greatest ailment in our society is isolation. How many times have you heard the word isolate before I preached the sermon or that series? Maybe none. Many times have you heard it this morning in the news? Isolate has become the new thing. But we're saying we need to be with. But we're not going to be able to be with some people because of the isolate. We can't be with them in a physical presence. So we're going to need some imagination as to work out how we're going to be with people as they isolate. Because isolate cannot become alienate or lonely. And we've been thinking about that in Fitzroy. And I've been giving a lot of thought to that. How can we drop into people's homes without being physically present with them. And I think we will get there. Let me work out where I'm here. As we draw to a conclusion. The old script is torn up. There's a blank page in front of us. What story will we write on it now? What story are we going to write on this blank page? Are we going to stop, be still before God, realign, seek his grace and imagination so that we will know how to write these next weeks and months? Everyone around us in the midst of this anxiety and fear need hope, love, and some kind of presence. Lukewarm faith can no longer deliver. Following Jesus might be the only thing that can deliver. And so we're putting together an idea of working out who are our most vulnerable. How will we respond to that? How will we keep in touch with that? How will we move forward with that? And what we're going to need once we do are volunteers to say, I'll take three of those names. I'll look after them. I'll make sure they're okay. I'll find out that they can get the live streaming. I will make sure that they're not in fear, anxiety, isolation, or loneliness. So respond. Come and see us and say, as some of you already have, we're up for this. We're going to get behind this. And we're going to love our neighbor the way Jesus intended it, not as a poster on a wall with a lovely sunset behind it but with the sacrificial service and compassion of a God who gave himself for others. There will be things going out regularly, and so we need you to join up to the website. If you join up to the website, you will get regular updates of where we're going and what we're doing and how you can help or how you can uh, get some of that help if you need it. Please, please, please connect with us 
so that we can connect with you. And please give us the permission to be able to do that as much as you can with all those GDP or whatever they are, rules and regulations that we have to have. We want to make sure that as a community, we stay together and are in presence with one another at this time, but we also want to take the opportunity to find out in this neighborhood, in the city, in the world that we live in, how Fitzroy can also be missional to a world as well. We're going to stop and we're going to do the offering. There is no plates. There are no plates. I think there might be plates at the back if you want to put something in the offering. Many of us do it by direct debit now anyhow. But if you want to do it in plates, I think they will be available for you, but they will not be passed around. Is there another chance for us to touch things that might be contaminated of some sort? But this is even the best thing in 10 years. I've talked about it for 10 years, and now I can do it. The offering is the most important part of the service, and there's no plates. Fantastic. Then we will get to the crux of this. Let's be still for a moment and let's offer ourselves to God for the week that is ahead. Lord, we offer ourselves to you to be prepared to let go of the familiar story. Lord, we offer ourselves to realign with you. To take our place in your order of things. To see this as Sabbath, seemingly forced, but maybe gifted. Lord, we offer ourselves to you for self-sacrifice, for sensible actions, for the protection of family and friends. God, we offer ourselves to you, to a whole reimagining, to offer ourselves as volunteers, to care carefully for those around us, to be a conduit of being with to be anxiety crushers, to be boredom breakers, to be grace deliverers, to be hope breathers, to be contributors of love. Lord, the truth is that perhaps at no other time in our lives have we needed to know you and your presence and your promises. And perhaps at no other time in our lives have our neighbours needed to see and know the grace of God as we love our neighbours. So we offer ourselves. Use us, Lord, whatever way you wish to use us to see us through the times that are coming down the road. Give us your grace and your imagination to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.